This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. And I'm Luke. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Good, good. Welcome to new release cast number whatever. I have, I have no idea how many times we've done uh, a new release podcast, but often. Should we jump right in? Please. All yeah, right. as long as whoever's making tea in the background stops making tea, whatever's <laughs> going on. I, I predict you'll talk about germline. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, germline. The first one is germline. Germline, that's right. The Subterrene War, book one, um, by T.C. McCarthy. Germline from Blackstone Audio, read by Donald Corrin. I'll read the back here. Uh, 100 years from now, Russia and the United States are at odds again. This time the war has gone hot. Heavily armored soldiers battled genetically engineered troops hundreds of meters below the icy, mineral-rich mountains of Kazakhstan. War is Oscar Wendell's ticket to greatness. A reporter, he has the only one-way ticket to the front lines. The front smells of blood and fire and death. It smells like a Pulitzer. But Kaz changes people, and the chaos of war feels too much like home. Hooked on a dangerous cocktail of drugs and adrenaline, Oscar starts down a dark road from which he will never be able to turn back. And uh, we forwarded this one on to Tam. Have you started it yet? Yeah, I think I'm like a third of the way through. It's uh, it's kind of like a like a Full Metal Jacket, like it's about war and in the future. And there's these genetically engineered female, young super soldiers, and mm-hmm. then there's regular guy soldiers too. Huh. And, gotcha. uh, well, actually, the, the main guy is a reporter, and he's following the soldiers along in this future war. I think it's against Russia. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. he can makes I, out. Can I ask, can I ask why they're fighting underneath the ice? What's, what's underneath the ice? I mean, um, why I is that? Just like, I think it's just winter. I don't think they're... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, there are tunnels underneath. I guess, man, maybe it's just too cold. I okay. didn't really get that... But I don't know, the plot is kind of, uh, it seems out of control, so I'm not sure where it's going. Gotcha. And you said it's... Well, I guess we'll look forward to your review. Mm-hmm. You oh, so I guess I'd finish it then. <laughs> yep. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Um... And you said it was like the Hannah movie, with the super girl soldier? Yeah, yeah, I, I I watched the movie Hannah, directed by Joe Wright, who did um, the uh, Atonement and Pride and Prejudice. Those are the other two movies, and this is a t- totally different change of pace. And it's about um, Hannah is someone who has been trained in the ice, um, uh, in in the north of uh, Finland or somewhere like that. Uh, north of Norway, Finland, and uh, yeah, by her father. And uh, yeah, and it and it's about super. Um, soldier teenage girls again as well so it's maybe they've uh, uh read the book or maybe the person reading the book has had the same idea or something like that but the they just yeah, make the, the best fighters yeah the, the the young females and stuff like that and it's um and it's like unapologetic about its uh its imagery and it's it's all about fairy tales and things like that it's there's the you know the wicked witch and the the young girl going out into the world and becoming a uh uh, an adult in a way lots of childhood stuff and it, and when i say fairy tale imagery they go to the the house of the brothers grim in here in berlin at an old fairground and things like that it's uh, it's pretty cool very very stupid very very silly but you know hmm. interesting hmm. enough 
Cool. I'm a sucker for girls that kick ass. <laughs> well, you do see her kick ass quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, are you, do you mean like girls, like young kids? Because I, I, I always think that's really stupid. What, like uh, there was that movie. I mean, like the buff, Buffy age. The, the, the thing about kick ass is, you know, you have that young girl who's like a superhero and she's kicking ass. I thought, eh, not so interesting. I mean, it's cute. It's a cute idea, but it doesn't really sustain. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like I don't want to see a whole genre of that <laughs> myself. Mm-hmm. Well, Do Hannah they? is definitely a post. It feels like a post Kickass movie in a way, but then it's it's also post Born Identity m- movie because you know she doesn't know who she is and she goes out into the world and she visits oh. Berlin and things like that and yeah. So uh, hmm. it's yeah, it's very much a movie of its time. It mm-hmm. yeah. It's all right. It's worth watching once. I'd say. Gotcha. Yeah, the girl in Kick-Ass is strangely super young. I don't, I don't know if I would go that far. Uh, I'm more of a Buffy the Vampire type fan. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the girl okay, in uh, Firefly. Okay. Well, what well, else you got, Scott? Next, we got, next up, I got from Full Cast Audio, um, a new Robert, well, new, <laughs> a new recording of a Robert A. Heinlein novel called Tunnel in the Sky. Um, it's read by David Baker and, and the Full Cast people. And um, description, when Rod Walker decides to take the final test for Deacon Matson's interplanetary survival course, he knows he will be facing life-or-death situations on an unsettled planet. What he doesn't expect is that some- something will go wrong with the tunnel in the sky, and he and his fellow students will not be able to return to Terra. So I'll just stop right there. Um, one of the interesting things on the uh, full cast audio site is that... Um, some Heinlein uh, aficionados are excited that uh, about the cover because they say this is the first time the main character has been portrayed correctly on a cover, hmm. and he's a young black man. Oh, right. Yeah. That, and, that does sound familiar. Yeah, and the book was written in 1955, it says. Huh. Yeah, I think we yeah. talked about this before, but maybe you didn't oh, have the did Yeah, I think it wasn't before. in the new releases. I think it was when we had that last Heinlein book, now that I think about it. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Rod Walker, well, as like Heinlein it, intended. Yeah, it's like in Starship Troop, you'll find out he's uh, from Puerto Rico? No, Chile or somewhere like that. No, you know, again, he's like ethnically, near the end of the book. He's, 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 he's born in Chile, but he's ethnically um, Filipino. Hmm. Oh yeah, that was it. But you only find out that he's Filipino in like the last three pages of the of the book, and it's like, oh yeah, right. and everyone was like this. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. well, not cool. everyone in the whole book <laughs> is is uh, Filipino, but that would be a very interesting future where the no, not everyone. I'm just saying it replaced by Filipinos. Mm-hmm. That sounds like hey, Isaac in uh, Pandora's Star. You, you find you find that he has an afro like a hundred pages later. Hmm. Isaac, okay. yeah, the uh, one of what? the scientists that made that. Wormhole. Yeah, Ozzy. Oh, Ozzy, no. not Isaac. Yes. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, Ozzy is his name. Yeah, yeah, I was going to, who, who has an afro? Yeah. Yes, mm. Ozzy. No, I think it's pretty much mentioned in the in like the opening pages that he's... Uh, oh, I didn't see he's, it. Uh, because someone made uh, a movie of the opening on YouTube, and they made him white, so they, they didn't realize it. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, that's that's mm-hmm. that can happen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, um, full cast audio on their coming attractions. Two more Heinlein books, Between Planets and Space Cadet. Just FYI, um, Space Cadet's cool. Cool, cool. Between Planets, really, I can't remember it at all. It's it's the, a, I think the title. The cover is... has a dragon. 
or yeah, it looks like a dragon standing next to a human on it. But it looks science fiction-ish anyway, because there's a rocket in the background. Yeah, that means science fiction. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get to that when yeah. it comes in, I'm sure. Um, Perseus is the next one from Fullcast Audio. It's by Geraldine McCochran and uh, read by Cynthia Bishop and the Fullcast family. Now, she's uh, written a few other ones that they've done at Fullcast. Um, I think there was a Hercules, and um, I can't recall the other one. But anyway, they're uh, fun. So Odysseus. it's a retelling. Yeah, Odysseus, right. And this is a, so it's a retelling of the Perseus myth. Nice. Um, yeah, for ages eight and above, it says. And then there's one more here from Fullcast Audio called Magic Steps by Tamara Pierce, read by Tamara Pierce and the Fullcast family. Um, I can't tell if this is part of... Oh, it is. The Circle Opens, book one. So it is part of a series. Um, Sandraline Fa Torin has moved to the palace of her uncle, Duke Vedris, to care for him after his recent heart attack. While the two are out riding, Sandry... While the two are out riding, Sandry sees a boy named Pasco dance a magic spell. To her dismay, she soon learns that since she discovered Pasco, she must handle this magical education until a proper teacher can be found. So this is another uh, young adult book. Young adult awesome. magical book. All right, next up I've got one from Robert Silverberg from Blackstone, read by Bronson Pinchot. You know, uh, before we move on, I, I think we should get one of those um, Heinlein uh, full casts to Luke. You know, uh -huh. Luke, uh, I don't think he's ever heard uh, full cast audio, have you? Nope, I haven't. Because you you only got into audiobooks like three or four years ago, right? Maximum. Yeah, I think I was pushing them ago. on you. These mm -hmm. are really interesting because because the way they the way they do their productions, it's one actor per character, and then if there's a narrator who isn't you know telling one of the actors, uh, you know he's in the main character, then there's a narrator as well. And it I listen to like the. I listened to Sorry. the City and the Stars full cast audio. That is not the same. No? Uh, I, know, I know the one that you... Uh, that's the one on Audible, right? Yeah. And uh, the sample I heard of that is done with music and such, right? Or at least some bed music. Uh, yeah, there's there's music and and a cast. I I just really dislike listening to a book with more than one narrator because it's like I want to. Be, if there's just one narrator, I can then abstract the other voices that he's doing. You know, even if he's acting the voices and changing the register of the voice or her, she, mm -hmm. you know, female narr narrators as well. Um, but I can then sort of like fill it in the rest of myself. Whereas um, with different actors, that the different characters comes through in a, in a way that I find quite distracting. That's you. That's what normally I would totally agree with you. But in the case yeah. of full cast, they 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 take out any attribution that is going to interfere with the production. So if it says, um, "No, no, no," he laughed. Right? It just says, "No, no, no," and the l actor's laughing. Yeah, that would do my head in. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I we'll think. get you. Maybe we'll get you a sample and see because I think. I think Fullcast does some of the most amazing uh, audiobooks out there, and they don't do it like anyone else. Mm -hmm. they, yeah, I they agree. They're end very, up being very like, worthwhile. They, they're like movies um, with no music and no sound yeah. effects. It's just the it's just the novel with. It's like instead of having one narrator or two narrators, it has 
X number of narrators for X number of characters. And it, it, it's, it comes off as like you're getting the, exactly what's in the book minus any attributions, mm. and it, it comes off spectacular. Okay, well, I'll, I'll check one out. If you've got like Space Cadets or something, I could, I could, I could listen to that because I already know the book, so then it's sort of like if I, if I don't already know the book, maybe I, it wouldn't be a good judge. Maybe because I yeah. just wouldn't like the book. I think a lot of people I mean. give it a miss because they think it's not a real audiobook. And it, it is it, it is exactly a real audiobook, but it has actors. And it actually makes it more special in a way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, sorry. All right, no problem. Uh, Blackstone Audio, back to this. Uh, Downward to Earth is the name of the book. Read by Bronson Pinchot by Robert Silver. I think I mentioned that. Um, mm-hmm. A lone man must make a journey across a once-colonized alien planet abandoned by mankind when it was discovered that the species there were actually sentient. Gunderson returns to Holman's world, seeking atonement for his harsh years as colonial governor. But now this lush, exotic planet of mystery is called by its ancient name of Belzagor, and it belongs once again to its native alien races, the Nildoror and the Solidoror. Drawn by its spell, Gunderson begins a harrowing pilgrimage to its misshrouded north to witness a strange ri- ritual rebirth that will alter him forever. You know, I think I've read this book. I it think we may have talked about very it familiar. a bit. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it is is pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I, think I, want, I think I want this one. Okay. Maybe, maybe we talked about it in a new releases uh, rather than a recent arrivals. This is actually a recent arrivals podcast so far, ah, right? Well, it's a both, isn't it? it well, it will be both, but yeah. this this is one I was interested in because, um, you know, Silverberg actually is a big fan of Conrad. This is this is uh, uh, heavily drawn heavily from Heart of Darkness, mm-hmm. and even the cover's got uh, an elephant on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it sounds a little bit like Little Fuzzy. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, oh, with elephants, right? Yeah, but with uh, sentient uh, other things, I guess. Um, and uh, he he wrote another one. He wrote a really famous um, one with the same titles, uh, "The Secret Sharer." Wasn't that Silverberg? Yeah, yeah it was. It was. Yeah, and that's and that... also a novel by a novella by uh, Conrad. Mm-hmm. So it might be might be kind of fun to. To do the comparison there, I, I, oh, I'm a huge fan of Heart of Darkness. Mm. And Lord Valentine's Castle is the, is, is, is subtitles the uh, the Heart of Lightness. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I just reviewed that. that. Yeah, I was joking. Yeah, it is. It's just. Oh really? <laughs> well, no. Yeah. It, I mean, because what you said in the review was it actually is quite the opposite of uh, Heart of Darkness, right? It's a oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's. It's it's a it's a journey through a world where everything's you know pretty all right. Pretty damn good, yeah. Like oh, yeah. There's small problems. <laughs> all right. Okay, now I've got uh, also from Blackstone a book called The Hidden. I wonder how many books are called The Hidden. Probably a lot. Um, book three in it's a good movie. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which movie that is. Book That's three. A- one in the with, best-selling uh, Hollow Kyle trilogy. Mc- Sorry, that's the one with Kyle MacLachlan uh, right. playing an FBI agent hmm. uh, who's not really an FBI agent. Gotcha. Okay, uh, by Jessica anyway. Verde, V-E-R-D-A-Y. Um, Love and Mystery mix in the final installment of the spine-tingling, hauntingly gorgeous trilogy, which L.J. Smith calls spectacular. Um, 
We need some more superlatives in there. <laughs> in the eagerly anticipated conclusion, I should probably say it correctly, which L.J. Smith calls spectacular. How's that? Sounds good. Okay, in the eagerly anticipated conclusion to the best-selling saga of Abby and Caspian, listeners finally learn the truth about Kristen's untimely death, the dark destiny that links Abby to Caspian and ties them both to the town of Sleepy Hollow, and the hard choices that Abby must make if she is to accept Caspian's love and their unexpected fate. Here's some more superlatives. Beautifully spun, emotionally gripping, and irresistibly romantic, The Hidden will leave readers breathless. So, so the first book in that series is The Hollow, the second is The Haunted, and the third is The Hidden. They're all YA. Mm-hmm. Okay. YA, yeah, right. interesting. Yep. A lot of uh, supernatural romance YA novels. I don't think we got the first and the second, so it's going to be hard to find a, a place a placement for this. Hmm. Maybe Jenny can take up the, the lance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I sent her a few... Uh, in the last shipment. So she's she's fully loaded right now. All right, uh, next up, book five in the Safehold series um, by David Weber. It's called How Firm a Foundation. So these are giant books. Um, hey, there's no description on here. The back has an ad for the previous four books. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have a description. Uh, you know the they previous books. Said, You're going to buy this one. You might as yeah, well. We, look we at any of the previous four, I guess. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I don't have anything to, to look at there, but um, book five. I know that it's about uh, the colonization of a planet. Um, let's see. Humanity is, is attacked by aliens. Um, a bunch of folks go colonize a planet and the decision is made by the higher-ups that they need to go technology-free because the aliens can detect them, so they're hiding. And then, But some of the higher-ups keep the technology and kind of create a religion using their technology. And then, you know, you've got the, the colonists start to worship, you know, these higher-up people, which is just how they like it. You know, I think you've got a job uh, in copywriting. Because <laughs> that, that, I'd much rather read that than the massive five paragraph description that's on goodreads <laughs> nice yeah is this I david that, weber you said yeah david yeah, weber david right weber. i don't think i've ever read a book by david weber and the, loads of people rave about him but I, I, yeah. nothing's ever really made me go oh i really gotta read this except yeah. other people going, oh it's great i mean I've, maybe I've, i will yeah i've had several, try, uh, several on people Station, yeah the that's the one i was gonna say one. That's what uh, the people that rave to me about him love that series that starts with on basilisk station Right. Yes. Yeah, Steve, Steve Gibson loves it. On Harrington um, series. But I know she's going to survive because there's four more books, five more, <laughs> ten more books. Suspense is gone. That's right. Yeah. Is, right. Is it, I, I don't mind if there's, if there's um, someone who doesn't get into a, a life threatening situation. Uh, but if everyone, anyone is in a life threatening situation, I think, well, they're not, they're going to, they're going to get by. They're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. They're going to be, they're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Even if they so lose. You must, you, must, you must love uh, George R. R. Martin then. Because everyone dies in that. <laughs> what? No, no, no. But the, the books aren't named this. The series of this guy, mm-hmm, you know, right, the, right. or this girl in this case. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's, it's a bit strange. Although I, I, um, I was listening to the um, Writing Excuses podcast on one of the previous episodes ages ago. Um, Dan Wells, um, who wrote the book. Um, what was it? The I'm not a serial killer, mm. uh, which I li- I listened to an audiobook last year. It was very good, and. Uh, 
and he said, "Well, I don't read my the way that I get my my uh, protagonist into a bad situation. The isn't is he going to survive or not? If he's going to be hurt or not, or is he going to live or not? That's not a question that I'm concerned with, and there's no drama in that question for me." He said, um, "Is he going to break his own rule set and become a serial killer?" Uh, mm-hmm. And he says that question uh, all the time. You don't know if he's going to do that. Maybe he will cross the line, or maybe he won't cross the line. Is way more interesting than will he kill? Uh, will he live or die? Is will he accidentally kill someone or accidentally not kill someone? Uh, I struggle yeah, with that myself. Yeah, it's yeah, I know. It's tempting to kill everyone, but I've got to restrain myself. Mm-hmm. That's what Timothy yep, yep. Zahn says. It's not about whether their characters are going to die, but whether they're going to overcome whatever problem they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wrote Did a lot I? of Star Wars books. Yeah. Which is a perfect segue to the next book I have here. There you go. <laughs> Star Wars, The Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. This is the, did you request that? I actually did, yeah, because I, I, I read that. this I read this 20 years ago. That's a Thrawn trilogy, right? It is, yeah. Okay. And... Um, yeah, I read this 20 years ago, and I enjoyed it. It comes right after Return of the Jedi, um, and the trilogy was cool. I have, I've made little attempt to try and keep up with all the Star Wars books that are out there, um, but this one was fun. I really enjoyed it. So when it came out unabridged, it's in a 20th anniversary edition, so it's never it's never been out abridged. Um, in fact, the audiobooks that were out before were pretty terrible because they were these are fairly good-sized books, and they were abridged to um, three hours long. And when you have a trilogy, th- there's no way that you can follow it for three books on audio at three hours each. So um, anyway, so I was kind of it's kind of a blast from the past for me, and um, so I'm looking forward to it. Read by Mark Thompson. That, that was like one so- of the first. Uh- like Star Wars novelizations. Yeah, yeah, in fact, it's, uh, this is the one that started. You know, there was things out called like The Splinter of Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster. I right. think I that, that was the only Star Wars novel that I recall being out before. Well, besides, wasn't there the Han Solo ones or something? I never read that. I read Splinter in Mind's Eye. And that, then, that was actually came out after Star Wars, but before uh-huh. the the final before the movies were completed uh-huh. and in it Luke and Leah have got together and have kids together oh I don't recall <laughs> so, that but yeah so yeah it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's set it's set after um, the Star Wars The New Hope A New mm-hmm. Hope not The New Hope gotcha The A New Hope movie um, but thinking that the other movies didn't exist or wouldn't exist and then what mm-hmm. would happen afterwards and yeah interesting yeah, it is fun yeah I'm, um, I recall I actually I read all those too the, the, the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, did you? It's pretty good. Did you enjoy yeah. him? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, so I finished it, so there you go. There you go, yeah. The five, <laughs> five years after the Death Star was destroyed and Darth Vader and the Emperor were defeated, the galaxy is struggling to heal the wounds of war. Um, and it just talks about General Grand Admiral Thrawn as the new villain. Right. Yeah. So he analyzes a culture of a planet, and then through that, through looking at their art and stuff, he figures out how to conquer them. Mm-hmm. That's his whole thing. Gotcha. That's cool. Yep. So, um, yeah, another you know, th- another tie-in with my history is uh, the first science fiction convention I ever went to. Timothy Zahn was the guest of honor, and uh, um, it was fun. Him and Michael Stackpole were both there, and Stackpole ended up writing some Star Wars too. So, it seemed like they, uh, you know, they were talking about it with each other a lot during that convention. It was fun to kind of be around that. It was fun. 
Okay, and the last thing. I, oh, go ahead. Hey, I just wanted to mention that um, that uh, the the Wikipedia entry for the last book, uh, Heir to the Empire. Mm-hmm. It says it's canon. So. Yeah, uh, and that that is a really interesting thing that Star Wars has done with those books. They, uh, you know, Star Trek. All those books had to end as they started so that the next Star Trek book could be okay. You know, you can't kill Mr. Spock in a Star Trek book, right? But in in the Star Wars universe, Lucasfilm actually has a division or a, a office or something where they kind of keep track of all these novels. And um, they do make an attempt to make them all make sense together. Um, so, the, you know, there's actually some plotting and outlining that go on as a group before all these authors go ahead and go write him. Well, you know, he's Lucas is always changing the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if, I, I guess none of those changes are so great that they are, uh, well, not recently any, they're not so great that they're going to kick things out. But I think this is, he's like making a ton of work for, for all the people on the Wikipedia website because <laughs> The, the, I was looking, it said, is is it canon? Not canon? So there's <laughs> one, two, three, four, five different uh, streams mm-hmm. of, of precedence. First one is um, G canon. This is absolute canon, the movie. Mm-hmm. Then there's T canon. It refers to canon compromising only the two television shows, Clone Wars and Star Wars live action TV series, and that, which isn't out yet, I guess. Um, and then there's S canon, which is secondary canon. The story itself is considered non-continuity, but the contradiction elements within the canon of the star are part of the <laughs> Star Wars universe. Holy cow! Games My like brain is ma- and yeah. another two yeah. rules after that. <laughs> and wow. there's N canon, which is non-canon. What if stories such as uh, pub- such as stories published under the Star Wars Infinities label, crossover appearances, uh, Star Wars characters appearing in other video games and such. Um, hey, check out <clears throat> the, the Splinter of the Mind's Eye Wikipedia page. It goes, mm-hmm. uh, the principal characters are Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Darth Vader. The characters of Han Solo and Chewbacca do not appear, and Solo is only referred to by Luke Skywalker as a pirate and smuggler he once knew. <laughs> <laughs> the book was originally written to be filmed as a low-budget sequel to Star Wars if the original film was not a success. So this was this was post Star Wars um, because Alan Dean Foster was the uh, the ghostwriter for the novelization of Star Wars it says here so I wonder uh, if uh, he he wrote it prior to seeing the movie because seeing what movie the original Star Wars movie because no no it says it says here at the bottom it was given exten- extensive access to the shooting and draft scripts as well as all the early st- story treatments so right, so as a source material and fleshing out the novel so uh, you know one of the things that makes Star Wars so so popular at i think is that han solo comes back right uh, spoiler <laughs> han solo comes back yeah. and helps mm-hmm. Luke at the last yeah. minute um yeah. this is this is uh something that uh i'm not sure is in the original script i think this is this is uh, obvious it should be but uh given how um how i think lucas has just been really lucky with his script writing rather than uh talented uh, that's based on subsequent movies I've seen of his. Uh, well, he didn't. Uh, he didn't write the scripts for the movies, did he? I thought it was Lee Brackett. Uh, well, Lee Brackett was a co-writer on Empire. Mm-hmm. 
Just but the I one? Uh, yeah, she died um, prior to the third one, so yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, I, I believe he claims um, script writing for the first one, I do mm-hmm. believe. Yeah, I think it's pretty much showing that his the first the one of the first one he he put a lot a lot of times into drafts and drafts and drafts over many many years to come up with that first story and then didn't have time to do that on the on the second movie and the third movie mainly because he was then producing um other movies as well and you know setting up his own special effects company that's what his interest was and he gave over the directing of the uh of the Empire Strikes Back you know because mm-hmm. he because he was he was doing business rather than having time for uh yeah mm-hmm. the rest of it gotcha i see lauren it's cool. Katzen too as a screenwriter on the second two movies uh, yep okay. sure yep. oh one other I'm, thing okay. oh no no I, I won't talk about this now no it's, it's got nothing to do with what we're talking about it was just another spin-off kind of thing but mm-hmm. let's move on what's okay. the next book um, the, the last thing that I have is two from the L. Ron Hubbard uh, Stories of the Golden Age collections. Um, okay, let's move on to the next book then. <laughs> <laughs> the Tramp and Shadows from Boot Hill. One of them is actually a Western. Um, so three Western stories and the, the other one is, is it science fiction? Can't really tell. Um, down on his luck, Tramp Doughface Jack has been shot while trying to escape from a cop. So it looks well. Those were in, in astounding, though. So they are in astounding science fiction. So that's that. What now, Jesse? <laughs> oh well, I'm, well, you, I'm you, just surprised I thought you, it. I thought you had something lined up. Oh uh, well, um, Jenny's late. I don't know if we should let her on the podcast. What do you think? <laughs> Fine with me. You, you don't see her online. Uh, she's just come online, but uh, I can't seem to add her. So maybe it's because I didn't. No, this start is Scott's call. call. Scott, mm-hmm. yeah, get Jenny on. Um, I don't have her in my list. Of or course, anything. Scott doesn't have anyone except for me on his list. <laughs> I will try and <laughs> send you the contact information. Uh, oh my God, she's got so hard. Looking on Skype Audible. Uh huh. What do you got? HG HG Wells, War of the Worlds. Another recording is out. There twice. This two the time machine. Yeah, it's there's a narrated by Roger Watson, mm-hmm. and another one by again publisher is Cherry Hill Publishing by David McAllister is the time machine. And what else do we have here? And the Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury, narrated by William Roberts. That's mm-hmm. been out before on audio, hasn't oh, it? Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- three more recordings of classic science fiction there. Don't think there's anything I need to say about that except more recording. Yeah, we're gonna do a read along of uh, Island of Doctor Moreau pretty soon with uh, Eric Rapp. Yeah, Eric's gonna participate. Assuming oh, he doesn't do have that a one. grandchild on that That's day. That's great. Yep. What's the uh, What's the uh, at the end uh, of October? Oh well, hopefully I'll be able to get on then. Yeah. Would it Would it be on the twenty ninth? The recording on the twenty ninth. I don't remember, but that's okay. possible. I'll I'll look at the uh, thing. Hmm. Yep. Oh, well, I'm away then. I don't get much time. What's so what continental? Next? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking through the latest. Um, I don't really see any real science fiction titles jumping out at me on Audible uh, for oh, this yeah. week's releases. Scott, were you saying that you you don't have any more? We've gone through the whole. Yeah, that was. I only that, had nine. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought. Oh. I thought. Okay. 
Oh yeah, okay. I've got Moxie Land. Oh. Moxie Land by Lauren Bukes. Oh. Uh, I haven't haven't read it. But um, apparently, her Zoo City. I haven't. I, I think that's out on audio as well. Uh, this is like a, a very short one. It's an angry robot um, novella length book, I think. But then she has uh, Zooland. Is it called Zooland? Zoo, Zoo City. Zoo, Zoo City. That's it. Zoo City is a, a book which is seems to be being nominated for many awards. I'm not sure if it's winning many right. awards. I think it was nominated for the uh, um, the Arthur C. Clarke Award and the what was the New Writers one at the Hugo. Um, oh, John Campbell. Probably, yeah, I think it was. I think it was nominated for that as well. I don't have any information. No, it's not. A show. No, it's yeah, not a but I think. I think so. The Zoo City is a book that I'd actually uh, want to want to read. Maybe see if I can click on it. Is it here? No, uh, only Moxie Land is here on Audible oh. for me. But I'm sure it's it's probably out on uh, um, for other people. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's out yet, but I'm sure it's coming up. That takes place in uh, South Africa. Yeah, she was on the she was on the Writing Excuses podcast um, a, f- yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, sounds sounds pretty <clears throat> interesting. So I'll yeah. once it gets on audio, I'll uh, I'll listen to it. They said it wouldn't be on audio for a while, but uh, it could be there. Did you guys see all the the new China Mayville audiobooks that just came out? Nope. Yeah, it looks uh, pretty impressive. They've got the Scar Iron Council Perdido Street Station. Um, all came out two weeks ago on Audible. All his books have been re-released as well as as, uh, as paperbacks with new covers on, and the new covers look awesome, like really good. I saw them. I was in a bookshop the other day and saw them all lined up, and it's a really great uh, like branding with all like doing all of the covers in the same style. You know, like Ian M. Banks. Yeah. If you see his books, they're all different single colors, and his and his um, Ian Banks books are all black and white, and his all Ian M. Banks books are, or is it the other way around? But they're all like like one color and white, or one color and black, and it's a you know, very strong thing, so as soon as you see them there, you can, you can really recognize his books straight away, and China Mayville seems to be getting the same treatment. Hmm. Um, with the audiobooks, they try well, to appeal to more mainstream people. With the they, new they are, and yeah. one of the ways you can even tell that is they're not from Audible Frontiers, their science fiction line. They're from Audible Limited, which means this is, this is highfalutin. This is mainstream literary, right? Oh, right. Well, I can understand yeah. that. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. just happens to be using uh, science fiction tropes, right? Mm-hmm. I thought to move them in the bookstore next to Ready Player One. Uh, department. Yeah, the oh God. <laughs> Mind you, that one that one sounds mostly like nostalgia. It doesn't sound right. like science fiction to me. And everyone who reviews it says it's great, but um, they haven't said anything that made me ah. Oh, I gotta read that. You know, it's like not idea born fiction. It sounds like it's it's um, a puzzle and it uses a lot of sort of pop culture sci fi tropes of the eighties. Have you read it, Tam? No, but uh, a lot of people. Uh, I think Jenny Jenny liked it. A lot of a lot of people I know really like it. But what do they like it for? That's my question. I, I, I guess they recognize all the references from the eighties. I guess if you didn't wear spandex and leg warmers in the eighties, you probably wouldn't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm wearing okay. spandex and leg warmers yes, right that now. That doesn't really appeal to hey, me. Eighties I mean, are a fine <laughs> decade, but I, uh, it, it, it's not. If it doesn't have like some some really interesting idea in it, I. I it'd just be like a an exercise in nostalgia, which I I think we can probably do without, or I can do without, anyways. The, the guys on the Boing Boing podcast liked it. They they interviewed him. Uh, I think 
is it just one of those books which just references lots of geek subjects and things? It like seems that? to be. I, I think there's like a virtual world, like in Damon. Where, Demon. Uh, it's called Demon. Yeah. I get emails about mispronouncing that, oh. which I think I wish they'd just fuck off, but they don't. <laughs> you can't know anything about technology because you don't know how to pronounce Demon correctly. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so oh, here's some stuff on um, on Blackstone Audiobooks on the website coming out available. I mean, this is October, but Ringworld Engineers is science fiction that's coming out. It says here by Paul Michael Garcia. Um, oh yeah, that's a new re- re- re-release, I think. To Sail Beyond the Sunset by Heinlein. I, I don't know that book. Is it? A- oh wow, that's a late, 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 late novel in his. Oh, Maybe is it? Okay. Last one or the last one? Okay. It's and oh, yeah, other science fiction Origin of the Species by Charles Darwin. Uh, oh, no, no, that's science, <laughs> not science fiction. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see very much else on there, but that's, that's what I see there. Well, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of what Blackstone's putting out, so there's a couple of things I spotted, um, but we might end up in November. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Let's see. So, well, here's one well, that interests me. Things in September. Okay, go ahead. Here's one that looks interesting to me. Um, it's out from Recorded Books. It's on Audible. It's by Jonathan Latham called Amnesia Moon. Yeah, that looked good. Yeah, in Jonathan Latham's Riley funny second novel, we meet a young man named Chaos who's living in a movie theater in post-apocalyptic Wyoming, drinking alcohol and eating food out of cans. It's an unusual and at times unbearable existence, but Chaos soon discovers that his post-nuclear reality may have no connection to the truth. So he takes to the road with a girl named Melinda in order to find the answers. Hmm. Uh, Seven hours, nice length. That's a good length. Yeah. And, um, you know, the the other thing that was uh, striking me recently was, of course, the the bunch of Lawrence, Lawrence Block audiobooks that had just come out. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, see they've got the new um, Jill Emerson, Lawrence Block, uh, Hard Case Crime book? That's out. That's um, it's called uh, Getting Off. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Jill Emerson was his, yeah. Jill Emerson was his uh, lesbian uh, pseudonym, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um uh, a pseudonym for his lesbian. I, I'm a lesbian too on the inside. <laughs> Aren't we all? I think so. Um, I don't know. I guess except for except for the homosexual men are all not lesbians. They're they're straight men. That makes no sense. <laughs> all right. Um, anyways, uh, the Lawrence Block uh, releases include some of his old stuff, um, including one of my favorites of his um, called "Such Men Are Dangerous." Which is a standalone from, I guess, the late '60s, early '70s, and um, it's uh, produced by Audio Go, which is the name of um, uh, BBC Audiobooks America. <laughs> what they changed their name to, which was also before that known as Chivers of North America, um, they released "Such Men Are Dangerous," "The Specialists," "Coward's Kiss," uh, "You Could Call It Murder," and um, all four of those are old Lawrence Block books, like uh, from the 60s, mostly. Um, but of those, Such Men Are Dangerous is fantastic. It's, it's five hours, and it's um, an ex-Green Beret stuck on an island. Um, he's, he's put himself on the island because he's, he's got PTSD or something like that, and he's uh, just, just living on bacon and eggs, and uh, he rows out to, uh, 
rows out to a local beach uh, store to buy supplies and then rows back and reads paperback novels uh, constantly, trying to avoid his, his memories. But, uh, of course, the government or someone uh, needs his help uh, in uh, solving some uh, CIA-style assassination. So they come out and try and, get, try and recruit him. And it's just, Lawrence Block's writing is just fantastic. I, I, I guess, Scott, you've heard, heard and read some of his stuff, right? Um, yeah, I, I listened to one, I think. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I remember the one I sent you. Yeah. That was, that was intense. <laughs> I, what was the name of it? That was uh, set in the city, uh, New York. What was it called? Um, uh, I don't recall the name of it, but yeah, it was intense. It was intense. Um, this is uh, first person, which um, Lawrence Block does amazingly well. And uh, I was looking at old copies of it, and uh, it said on the paperback of one of the copies I, I spotted, said, uh, soon to be a major motion picture. That was like uh, 1970s release. So <laughs> they, never, they never actually came out with a movie of it, but it is very, um, very fantastic. The description here. Oh, and... One of the fun things about this, too, was that it was originally written under the pseudonym Paul Kavanaugh. And um, this is the description of the book. A very dangerous man, that's Paul Kavanaugh, an ex-Green Beret with nothing but time on his hands until he gets an offer to steal a shipment of tactical nuclear weapons from the U.S. government and finds himself a partner, George Statner, who has the cold eyes of a trained killer. Each of these men is dangerous alone. But anyone who tries to stop them together is guaranteed not, not to come out of it alive. So um, it was written under a pseudonym called Paul Kavanaugh, and the main character is Paul Kavanaugh. So you're, you're meant to think that it's, uh, it's uh, you know, a, a true-life story when it was originally published. I think that that's, that's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he did a bunch like that um, where he gets a, uh, he gets a, uh, a false pseudonym for the story to make it seem more real. And I know that, um, that, uh, other people have done that. Like, uh, um, Michael Crichton, didn't he do that with one of his books? He himself a fake MD. Oh no, sorry. He actually had an MD. <laughs> but, uh, I think in, uh, the eaters of the dead, um, he makes it, makes out that it's a, uh, a lost manuscript that he's discovered. When it's actually just a retelling of Beowulf with a bit more. Anyways, I'm a big fan of Lawrence Block. You guys should give it a try. Yeah, I've never read one. Uh, we we did Westlake read along, right? Didn't we? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. It was the Miserable Man one, wasn't it? Yeah. And we we also uh, Smoke um, for that's the, it. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, but you didn't finish Smoke and. Uh, no, I, I didn't finish. I don't think Scott did either. Or he no, didn't, didn't join in with the podcast. No. Yeah, I don't think I was in on that one. No, no. Yep. Um, that's not his. That's not his best books. Uh, oh no, we did that as an SFBRP, not as a not as a uh, SFF audio podcast. Right, but we still talked about it. And um, wait, aren't we I talking think, about Lawrence Block? Yeah, but they're 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 very much twins when it comes to oh, careers okay. and writing style. Um, in fact, they you know they co-wrote lots of books together. And so Donald um, Westlake is not Lawrence Block. No, they're completely separate. Okay. Although at one time I wasn't sure about that because they they did sort of swap swap books and ideas and talk about the each other's books and you know until the internet came along and made it a lot easier to you know actually see pictures of two different guys that were aging and such. 
you know, I didn't, I didn't completely know because they they write very similarly and they also complement each other in each other's books, which makes makes it uh, seem as if they are uh, one and the same in a way. Suspicious. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find us a a read along book that won't be a Westlake, but it'll be a a block before the next Westlake book comes out uh, in February. The la- last Westlake book probably will be uh, one called "The Comedy Is Finished," and that's a, a book that was never published, although it was written in the early '80s. It, it was never published because it was very similar in plot to a, a movie called "The King of Comedy," um, but it was not. It's it's a quite serious novel, so um, it's about a, a comedian who gets kidnapped. I think um, right. It should be fantastic. I, I think we'll have to do a read-along for that in, in February. But in between then and Christmas, can we find some Lawrence Block book to do? They're really short and they're really good. Maybe. He it, as long as it's an audio book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Audio book. Yeah. Cool. He wrote Psycho, right? The Alfred Hitchcock movie? Uh, no. I don't. That's uh, Robert Block. That's Robert Block. Oh, oh, oh. So many yeah. blocks. And there's, uh, it's spelled differently as well. B-L-O-C-H for Blo- uh, Robert Block. Is B L O C K for Lawrence Block, uh, but yeah, they, they they are not completely dissimilar writers. Mm, All right, so. mm-hmm. cool. Yep. I've got a few things to talk about. Great. Sure. Um, one is ah oh yeah, Stand on Zanzibar. I oh, yeah. downloaded it from Audible. It's a, it was a new release um, a few weeks ago, I think, or last month, um, and I haven't started reading it yet but one of the reasons why i decided to read download it is because the book itself which is one i read before but years and years ago i don't remember too much about it but what i do remember is that it's lots of different writing styles all mixed together so you get like you know essays about the world and um you know news reports and newspaper clippings and transcripts and letters and there's lots of different styles of writing and um and i just really want to see how this uh, how this is done as an audiobook because my first novel, Mining Tomorrow, is written in a similar kind of style with lots of different styles of you know, writing and, and each chapter is like almost a standalone little piece, which is mm. the way that I wrote it because I wasn't quite sure how to write a full novel, like a full no- narrative all the way th- from beginning to end. So I'm going to see what they do and maybe if it sounds okay, maybe I'll get around to once I complete my the third novel in the series and go back and edit it all. Maybe I'll put it out as an audiobook. But that's something yes, I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll do that. So have you guys listened to the audiobook or do you know the nope. do you know the book? I, I actually asked Jenny to read it so she could explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then a whole bunch yeah. of people on Goodreads and the Sword and Laser group are reading it and talking about it. Yeah. But uh, I have started you. <laughs> you have that. to have explained. I'm too lazy and dumb to read it. Uh, by John Brunner. Did I mention John Brunner? Mm-hmm. Stand right. on by, by so, John Brunner. Someone describes uh, yeah. the structure as cylindrical. Like in the beginning, there's a lot of random stuff, and then like when you get to the middle, I guess that's where the meat of the plot is. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I read right. it, and to be honest, I can't. I, I I don't remember too much about it, which means I might not have finished it. I don't know, but I can't remember. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be confusing in, in audio because you can't like reread as easily. Yeah, well, well so that's what I'm, it's an experiment that I downloaded, yeah. but it's quite a long, it's like a 15, 20, 
hour long experiment so hopefully i can get through it but i've got sit, sit check it out six audible credits just sitting here unlistened to so i'm i'm gonna see if i can get like check out some more fantasy series as well because i've I've like because i live in germany there's not a huge amount of uh choice left with the science fiction that i haven't read or listened to in some form already but there's lots of other stuff that i want to get on well with... the other thing you can do is you can get some shorter stuff and if you can yeah, find some, if you if you if you could find these well-reviewed and, and it looks like it's going to be a good gamble, go for the shorter stuff. I, the way Audible works is they they are, you know, they give you one credit a month so you can do anything you want with it and you don't want to waste that credit. You want to maximize the value. So people tend to get long stuff. But no, long, actually, stuff, long stuff tends to be crappy. I've got two, uh, two credits a month. I'm on the platinum plan. Oh, two credits a month. Wow. How much is the? How much is that uh, platinum plan? Mm, I don't know. It it works out that uh, um, if if I bought books new as paperback books, it's actually slightly cheaper to to get them as a uh, uh, as audio books from Audible with the platinum plan. So, oh, so it's it, it works out about nine euros per book if I buy it new from a shop in Germany or get it from Audible, um, which is quite expensive, but. That's what you pay for. Oh, I, I bought some books. I got Spin by Robert Charles Wilson, which is um, the last uh, one of the last books that I've not read from the... Uh, this is how I'll tie it in because it's, it's a paper book, but it was on the Courtney Brown Science Fiction and um, Politics mm-hmm. um, podcast. And I, have, I think that was the only books I've not read on that. So uh, once, I, once I read that book, which I'll do in a few weeks' time and listen to that, that'll be... I can delete that podcast. From, oh, well, you know... I you can the listen last to the podcast episode. after you yeah, read the book. I, yeah, I can listen to that last podcast, and then I've done all of them, I think. Um, and the other book that I bought was um, the by. Uh, let me quickly go over to my Goodreads page because it's here. Spellwright by Blake Charlton, which is not a, an audio book. I guess you can get it as an audio book, but I bought it as, in, as a paper book. And I, I'm about hundred pages in, and it's very. It's a bit strange because it's, it's it seems like he had this one idea for the magic system, you know, because that's like the rage that you want to talk about now in these fantasy books. It's all about the magic systems, and it's like reading a technical document. It's like reading a description of how the magic works, but in a very uh, characters are explaining it to each other in ways, and then the, the, the narrator is explaining it to us in in this almost like a dry way. It's like this is this, and this is this language, and it, it like I say, it's a technical I think document. It's a first- I think it's a first novel. It's, uh, but it, it's very much like a first novel, but uh, let me ask it, you this: How's there's the spelling? Some... The spelling? <laughs> um, Come on, all... that's a great that's joke. All right. uh, probably, the, probably everyone else grammar... made that joke. But yeah. Still. The uh, yeah. Hopefully, there's no. Um, there's no uh, spelling errors in there. No, but one thing that it's very... I mean, I'll, I'll do a review of it in a few weeks' time when I finish it because I'm going to America next week, so I won't take it with me, but I'll hopefully finish it on the way when I get back. Um, and, uh, and it's very much like, do you know this person? Yes. Isn't he the person who does this, this, and this, and this? Yes, oh. that's the person I'm thinking of. And it's like, normally if I say, hey, Scott, do you know Jesse? You'll just go, oh, yeah, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, Jesse, the guy that lives in Canada and takes part in the <laughs> SFF audio podcast. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. As you yeah. well know, Scott. No, no, <laughs> there is, a, is a, as you well know, there is a, an as you well know um, thing. It's sort of like, hey, all of us here know this. And then he like takes a paragraph to explain what everybody in the same room as him knows. Oh, it's, it's a bit clunky. I mean, uh, the book is probably going to turn out okay, but just the 
imagining it is like. That kind of sounds uh, like a flashback um, for two scientists. Like in Robert Sawyer's flashback, two scientists talk about things they already know, but it's kind of like teaching the reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be done. Well. I mean, the, one of the main reasons, or one of the books that I read, which made me do my science fiction book review podcast, where I wanted to rant about some books, was one called The Swarm. And in it, someone goes, Hey, does anybody in the room not know this? technology and someone goes and they don't even name the person it's just like yeah someone put his hand up and said no i don't know what that is and so then they explain it to him and it's so and it was like so transparent what was going on here it's like does any and it happened a few times it's like does anyone not know what this is no i don't and everyone else in the in the room except this one unnamed character who didn't speak before then or after them is the reason why this is now being explained to us the reader which you know it needs to be explained to us the reader uh, that's in that's uh, beyond this horizon as well if you guys uh, well, I, I guess, uh, yeah, Scott and Tom, you should remember, uh, mm. you should well know um, that in Beyond This Horizon, there's a scene where everyone's at a meeting and and some uh, leader says, um, everyone in the room who, who believes in life after death, put your hand up, right? And, and then he says, everyone in the room who's sure that there's life after death, keep your hand up. And then the the one person who still got their hand up, we think we're going to get a lecture about why we're... we're so they uh, shoot dead. No, no. <laughs> we, we think we're going to get a lecture as to why, why it's clear that there's life after death, right? But yeah. the, the person just says, yes, I do, and, and it's really obvious, and then puts their hand down, and that's, that's the end of the scene. And I say, huh? What? Like, <laughs> it's like, what? Little Heinlein, you're teaching us a lesson. It's so obvious you won't even tell us what it is. What the hell? It's like, mm-hmm. as you well know, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. No, I don't well know. But that's what the whole novel's exploring. So I guess, uh, I guess. Oh, I thought, they, I thought it was going to be um, who here believes in life after death? Everyone for the- Take your hand down unless you know for sure that there's life in it. And then the people who are left with their hands up, just shoot them all in the head and just go, right, right. let's move on with life. You know, maybe not. Um, another thing that I, I no, nothing to do with audio, but we were talking before about tie-in novels, especially with, with um, Star Wars and, uh, St- and Star Trek. I can't remember. But I, I often asked on my podcast, a few times I've asked, hey, send in your suggestions for the best computer game um, tie-in novel and I'll read it and see if it's ever a good novel mm-hmm. and someone said hey you should read Dan Abnett's um, Warhammer 4k no 40k 40,000 40, I can't remember how you pronounce it right. anyways ta- tabletop miniatures games and they said yeah some good stuff there so I was in a bookshop the other day and I found a whole like shelf of these Warhammer books but I didn't find the one which is it says the Horus Heresy and so he wrote three books in this in this series um, but then there was loads and loads of these Horus Heresy, and I, I looked, just looked on Wikipedia before because I just thought about this before. So he goes, the Horusy, the, the Horus, Horusy, the Horus Heresy novels are Horus Rising, which came out in 2006, False Gods, which came out in 2006, Galaxy and Flames, which came out in 2006, The Flight <laughs> of Eisenstein, 2007, Fulgrim, 2007, Descent of Angels, 2007, Legion, 2008, Battle for the Abyss, 2008, Mechan- Mechanicium, um, 2008. 
Tales of Heresy, which is a, a compilation, 2009. Fallen Angels, 2009. A thousand, so anyway, it goes I on for 20... Short. I think they're short. 20, 21... No, these were chunky books in this shell. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, or maybe they were... I think maybe they were collected. They might have multiple like, novels collected. Yeah, maybe book. omnibuses. But these were big, chunky books. So 21 novels in this series. And I didn't even know... I mean, I know these things sell really well, but I guess it's because they're short and they put them out and then everyone goes to Games Workshop and buys them. You know, all the gamers oh, buy them read, to know... Didn't you? Or the audiobook they sent us? Oh, Scott's disappeared. No, I'm here. I'm here. Um, uh, you the talk, traumatized I, I don't know if it's Ab- Abnet, but yeah, there was... Oh, uh, Warhammer. Yeah, there was two Warhammers. I forget what publisher it was, though. Black something? Uh, out of the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Black, Black Library, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I listened to one of them. It was quite good. It was short. Oh, okay. It was very short. Um Okay. Well, maybe I'll yeah. see if I can find an audiobook version or something like that. But yeah, I said I would. I said I would check one of these books out, and people, a few people, mentioned an and, and there was another author as well, but I can't remember his name, who who they said was worth listening to. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't mind that. So that's yeah. It. I recall that one of them was like in a fantasy world with dwarves and things, and the other one was science fiction. So there was a Warhammer 40k, and then the, is there a Warhammer? It's, it's like, like a plain Warhammer yeah. without the 40K. Because I remember there was a character in there who had a fist the size of a baked ham. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good description. Very ham-fisted. Yeah. yeah. And he always has food if he needs it. <laughs> that's right. Oh, it says here, it's Warhammer 4K, 40K, sorry, is a, a futuristic companion to the Warhammer Fantasy Battle. So I guess there's Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And then, which will be the the fantasy one, and then the 4K is the updated science fiction one, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah, I know. I think that's it. Oh, and yeah, and you mentioned this before as well. The uh, um, the Sword of the Lictor by Gene Wolfe. I did mm-hmm. a review of that, which um, uh, which you did a, a blog post. Of, which let me see if I can bring this up here. Yeah, it was oh. a very enjoyable review. I loved it. That was fun. Oh, Jesse my did rev- the blog. My review, my review of his review. <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite funny. Uh, yeah, I, I would have thought you were going to do the review of my review in the same style that I did the review, but you, you didn't. It was a bit more. I actually, I actually just quoted you and changed a few of the words. Like instead of saying novel, I said podcast. So all that, those, uh, yeah. If you've got it there, there's like a little section after a colon, and it says, oh, yeah. yeah, just read that, and you'll see that's actually you talking. I oh really? That is down, actually yeah. what I do. And um, that's why it doesn't that's why it doesn't sound very like Jesse style writing. Ah, okay, that's right. why I wasn't quite sure it was going. Um, that was a little bit cute, because it, it every uh, after a certain point in the thing, I was laughing. I was thinking, oh, uh, he's actually writing oh, yeah, my just, for him. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Wait a second. Just in the in the in case people listening to this don't know, I le- read a book, and it's a third book in a series, and it's a very meta book about it's it's a bit strange so um i decided to do the review in the style of the book where i just drop in random like random tangents and i um <laughs> yeah and i just uh, and i repeat myself quite a lot and yeah keep going back over these different ideas the kind of thing that happens in the book i tried to make happen in the review that i did so it's a right. the review itself is a is a is a meta description of the book that i was reading and uh, i thought a few people would email me about it but i guess it's <laughs> like a yeah about 2000 downloads uh, i th- i thought he i thought only he was the doing people who are listening podcast who- or something and then i realized aha 
aha, there's something going on here with the re- repeated mentions of things that, like, okay, that is something Luke would say, but uh, not normally on his podcast. And so, uh, yeah, it's this. This sounds totally like Luke. I don't want to spoil it too much. And then later on in that same sentence, you actually said, <laughs> without spoiling it too much, yeah, <laughs> like reminding yourself not to spoil it. But I thought it was delightful. He dropped some random things in there, playing with our expectations, all without spoiling it too much. He's he's telling his own story. The review is yeah. flawed in some ways. No, but then, but, but then, the, the review key thing is book is I, not kept, flawed. I kept saying that I wasn't going to spoil it, and then I would spoil it. Then I was just spoiling it. I was maybe I was going into two different, in too many uh, different directions in a way <laughs> with that. No, but after saying that I wasn't going to spoil it, then I dropped some massive spoilers in there. Um, so uh, you know, just the kind of thing that. Gene Wolfe is doing in the book. So uh, I just hope that nobody listens to that episode as their first ever episode because they might not get what's going on. But then, and, like, and I normally w- wouldn't admit that you are much cleverer than I am, but I'm quoting until you're doing it you when said. you're quoting me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, says, I must admit he was way cleverer than me. That was the line was uh, Gene Wolfe is way cleverer than me. Yeah. Oh, but then at some sincere. point, but then you say it's a classic review. Um, don't yeah. blame me if you stick with it. I said it's a classic book, but then in other times, I right. meant I I got mixed up by my pre when I was talking about my previous novels. I mean my previous reviews. So I was actually uh, I was I was intentionally in the podcast getting mixed up between the word yeah. review, previous review, and previous book. To yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. I was taking meta too far. Uh, but I've done this before. When, when just I don't do it again. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I reviewed. Um, uh, what was the what was the one by Charles Stross the uh, uh, the computer game and it was all written in the second person so I did the entire review in the second person halting state uh, halting state yeah so if you listen to my review of halting state it's all done second person which was yeah. that yeah, broke that was my good. brain trying to do that on the fly because it's it's yeah it's, it's tough yeah but I mean I talked for a long time in the second person but the the trickiest thing was when I said when I wanted to talk to you the listener but I was talking about you as in Luke the the reviewer so then yeah. I had to say your listeners should do this or your listeners are going to think this rather than saying you to the people at home and yeah that that was uh, broke my br- brain a bit anyway how long yeah. have we been recording now I've been I've been the only one doing these topics now for <laughs> ages an hour a little over an hour okay so we're good Anything up. else? Let's. Um, I, I, for future podcasts, I want to bring back the uh, uh, pick of the week mm-hmm. idea. I think that that's a My good one. My pick of the week is yeah, for, the for Life, of Brian, Life of Brian, um, <laughs> Monty Python. Watched that two nights ago. Awesome. Still awesome. That, Still the funniest thing ever. That is an amazing coincidence because uh, I have the Life of Brian album that Monty Python put out. And yeah. I just listened to that like three days ago. For the oh, first great. time in years, yeah. Yeah, the bit well, I'm, I mentioned this before uh, that the bit where they they he drops his when all the people are following him and they, he drops his shoe and they pick the shoe up and said <laughs> we've got all going to take our shoes off yeah. uh, and that following scene is pretty much the history of religion for the last two thousand years <laughs> and it's just just pure genius that whole movie. <laughs> it's just great. So there's my there's my pick non science fiction non fantasy audio. <laughs> Makes me think of that. Well, that joke about you know what Jesus said in his final words on the cross. Um, he says, "He says, uh, Peter, Peter, come to me, Peter." And Peter comes up. What is it, my lord? He says, "I can see your house from here." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was when I heard that joke the first time. I laughed and laughed. Um, 
that's that's pretty damn good. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got one. Invincible. Uh, it's uh, Robert Kirkman. He's the same guy who writes the um, the Walking Dead, the comic. And I'm reading Invincible. I, I went in pretty skeptical because um, it's sort of a superhero book, and I'm not much of a fan of that. Um, but the art's great, and the story's actually pretty good. Very clean and very uh, simple. Very simple and very clean in both writing and and uh, and drawing. But there's something about it that keeps you turning the pages. Um, I guess it's because it, it's like YA, right? It's a teenager super, discovers he's a got superpowers, wasn't sure he was going to get them, even though his dad was like, basically like an alien Superman kind of guy. Um, but yeah, I, I picked up the second massive volume, and I'm really enjoying it. Kirkman's a great writer. But that has no really, zombies, right? Uh, no, but there is, there is some sort of um, menace going on, and uh, it's, it's surprising and shocking, and okay. in the same sort of ways that, that uh, Walking Dead is, but not there's nobody's no characters are really threatened in the way that they are in the walking dead but yeah I, i'm gonna see what else he's he's got out there i know he seems to be like a a writing machine he's he's writing lots mm-hmm. of comics, isn't he he's doing some more comics but you don't like those he's doing what he's doing more super marvel like ultimates and uh hawkeye yeah well i, but, uh, I uh, my like my those. feeling is to my feeling is to follow the the um the author, rather than the content. Right. But I've been, I've been wrong on that before. But uh, I like Ed, Brew, Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka and and Robert Kirkman seems to be adding himself to that list. So I looked at the uh, Dan Abnett, I had mentioned him before about the Warhammer, looked at his uh, Wikipedia page. He's actually got a whole other page just for his bibliography. That's um, a big list then, yeah. Hmm. Prolific. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, Maybe I mean, he's it's, just it's, writing down his games. Maybe he's just... You know, recording his games. I, I know that a lot of fantasy writers do that. They say, you know, I'm going to write a fantasy, and what they were doing is they just put in their their game, the ah. game that they're playing. I don't know. Well, I don't this know guy what... has written a lot of comics, a lot of movies. No, not movies. Uh, uh, novels. Wow! It just keeps going and going and going. Just click on the page. Scott. What's your pick? My pick, um, wow, how about Declare by Tim Powers, which I'm not quite finished with yet. I'm enjoying I've, it, though. It's great. Very good book. What kind of, what kind of book is it? Um, it's, uh, it starts off uh, as kind of an espionage novel, um, talking about this guy who's kind of been trained and then put out in the world for a while and then gets reactivated. And then it um, slowly these fantastic elements are kind of brought into it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, like the, I think one of the first indications, you know, he's given an onk, you know, one of those Egyptian things by his handler. <laughs> so he's got to carry that around with him. And then, um, so you got to drag it around with him? <laughs> no. <laughs> drag it over his shoulder. A dragon, yeah. And then he's, uh, rec- or sending uh, Morse code on the top of a building during World War II. So he's in, uh, Paris. And he's uh, sending Morse code, and he starts to send the Morse code in the rhythm with his heartbeat, and um, weird things start to happen. Ooh. So it's kind of a yeah, kind of a, some fantastic how do, how does elements it compare in there. To, uh, on Stranger Tides. On on, uh, on Stranger Tides was a little bit uh, more of a difficult read, I would say, because it was a little okay. bit chaotic. And I re- I recall in on Stranger Tides having to read some things over again. Um, it hasn't happened in this. This one's really engaging. 
Yeah. Cool. I liked them both. I liked On Stranger Tides very much too, but On Stranger Tides was like a collection of really cool scenes, you know? Yeah, and everybody had two names. You had to figure out where everybody was. So it was a little bit confusing, (laughs) a little bit chaotic, but it it had all these cool spots in the book, you know? And Mm -hmm. this one is really um, an immersive story. I really like it. It looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the reviews on Amazon. They, somebody says, a fascinating hypothesis. That sounds like good mm-hmm. idea fiction to me. Mm-hmm. Is that I what really you like say it is? Would I say it's idea fiction? Yeah. Um, well, I'll let, you, I'll let you know when I'm finished, right? but I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, a modern-day fantasy. Uh, well, hmm. it's not really modern-day. It's you know, kind of takes place World War II and in the 60s. Yeah, you know? yeah. Tim Powers usually puts a lot of research into his books. So there's yeah, probably well, what he does is he kind of uh, he he finds some historical fact that's odd, and then goes ahead and gives it a fantastic explanation. You know, yeah, there is a mundane explanation, but he says, "All right, let's run with that," and then he starts to just collect ideas and put it around that, and then writes his book. Hmm. So he starts with you know factual information. So in this book, you've got Philby. Um, that guy who defected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Anyway. Cool. Yeah, it's neat. It's fun. Tam, what's that? Yep. Yeah. Oh yes, Tam. Sorry. Don't forget Tam. Um, Tam. Well, Moten God's Eye is pretty good. Okay, I haven't started it yet. I better. That's not. A, that's I, not I, a I've pick. started it before. Well, we're doing that yeah, as a read along for. Uh, okay. Next week, well, tell you what. I know I won't be here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick that on my Audible queue as well. I think I'll, I'll listen yeah, totally to it. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.